Hello everybody and welcome back to episode 6 of Traffic Jam. It's Georgia here and as always I'm joined by Isabel. Hi everyone. So Georgia, you were in one of my bucket list uh, places. For those who have been listening all the way through, you know Georgia was in New Jersey. She texted me a picture. She goes, ended up in New Jersey today and thought I'd snap a picture for you. How could somebody not want to go there? (laughs) Um, Since nobody can see us or see the picture that I sent Isabel, I was in Hoboken getting Tony Bologna's pizza. And afterwards, we walked the Hoboken waterfront pier. So I sent Isabel a picture of the New York skyline. She just goes to New Jersey for lunch. Super casually. That's what we do over here. We just take a two-hour drive to go get pizza. (laughs) You know, living that East Coast life. Oh, absolutely. Today, we are going to start with our Mythbuster. And this whole episode is basically going to be a Mythbuster. So today's myth is that child marriage only happens in foreign countries and it doesn't happen in the U.S. at all, ever. And this is going to piggyback off of last episode's discussion about the ability of children to consent in relationships. A lot of people, when they think about child marriage, they think of it occurring to young girls in third world countries far away from the United States. What most people don't think of is it happening here in the U.S and especially being allowed legally through the courts. But between 2000 and 2018, it is estimated that nearly 300,000 girls and boys were married before the age of 18. Based on available data, 86% of minor girls were wed and 14% of boys were married. A 16 to 17 years old makes up the majority of child marriages, uh, so that, that would make up 96%, but some are actually documented as being as young as 10 years old. I was one of the naive ones out there who believed in this myth. It wasn't until I read your blog post that I realized child marriage was happening in the U.S. and happening legally. So do you want to explain how this is actually allowed to happen here? Yes. So child marriage happening in the U.S. has been allowed through a couple of different, uh, we'll call them like legal loopholes, essentially. So child marriage is allowed in 40 of the U.S. states uh, through these legal loopholes, the most common being uh, parental consent um, or court approval. So each state in the U.S., they set their own minimum age for uh, marriage. For most states, they are set it at 18. But for some states, you know, it might be 17 or even 15 years old. But legal loopholes in 40 U.S. states allow for a parent to sign a form giving consent for that child to be married. However, really what this has often led to is parental coercion um, forcing kids to get married. And then there's five states, uh, five states laws, uh, still specifically allow pregnant girls to marry. 
um, a loophole that has actually been used to cover up rape um, and force girls to marry their rapists. So you said 40 states allow child marriage. Do you have a list of the 10 that don't allow it? Yes. So a little bit of history on uh, the progression of eliminating child marriage in the U.S. Delaware and New Jersey, they were the first states to completely end child marriage in 2018, which is shocking just because of how recent that actually was. And essentially what this means is they eliminated all of the uh, potential exceptions, including parental consent or court approval, below the age of 18. Um, Shortly following them, uh, the American Samoas, they ended child marriage, the U.S. Virgin Islands, uh, Pennsylvania and Minnesota followed in 2020, uh, Rhode Island and New York passed bans in 2021, and Massachusetts banned the practice in 2022. Vermont actually just passed a ban in April, and Connecticut and Michigan were the most recent states to end child marriage in June of this year. And 20 states do not require any minimum age for marriage uh, with parental consent or judicial waiver. So in 20 states, um, at any age, you can technically you can technically get married. That last bit is really alarming. As somebody who is aware of coercion and exploitation of children and now talking about child marriage in general. But on the bright side, you can see that it's kind of starting to trend, let's say, to start banning and looking at all these legal loopholes. Like there were two states in 2018 and now we're up to 10 in 2023. It's definitely not enough, but hopefully we see this trend continue further throughout the states. Completely. So there's a really... um organization called Unchained at Last and they have been working um, and dedicating their mission to uh, trying to end child marriage first by um, helping people who are in forced marriage situations and getting them out of that situation and through legislation and so trying to get states to pass um, legislation that does not allow for these exceptions And so that's really how a lot of this has come about, is through advocacy. Well, I'm very grateful for people out there that are aware and doing this work. But something that just popped up in my head is the thought that possibly children can be coming from other countries and being married off to American citizens, or even the other way around where a child might be from outside the country and their parents maybe basically sell them to somebody here to get an immigration status. Yes, so uh, children being forced to come to the U.S. to marry um, here is a part of this issue. And how that's been able to legally occur is, um, so the Immigration and Nationality Act does not specify a minimum age to petition for a foreign spouse to benefit from a visa. So... um, that's kind of an incentive then for people to send their children here and marry them to then have a U.S. visa. Um, ICE actually approved 8,868 petitions between 2007 and 2017 involving minors. Um, girls were the younger in 95% of these petitions um, for this like spousal benefit uh, for a visa. 
Another part of the law um, that's important to note here is that federal criminal code uh, prohibits sex with a child between you know, 12 and 15, but exempts those who marry the child first. Um, a reauthorization of the, and this was a part of the Violence Against uh, Women Act, ended uh, this exemption in 2022, again, very recently. But there is still that marriage exemption uh, to statutory rape in federal code. So essentially, kind of the big problem here is that there's all of these exceptions to marriage laws. Because of that, children are forced into these marriage situations. And then the perpetrator is no longer held accountable for any type of any kind of sexual crimes, essentially. When you actually put it into words and even provide statistics behind it, it's actually really shocking, especially when we think about the United States, that children aren't protected from marrying somebody older, whether it's somebody from the U.S. or somebody from a foreign country, or even your parents coercing you to marry somebody. What are some reasons that parents or courts might sign off on a child marriage? Yeah, so again situations are going to look different and so there are a couple of reasons um, as to why child marriage is occurring in the United States. Uh, So again like I mentioned before the most common exception uh, to the minimum age for marriage is the parental or judicial consent. Uh, So parents can provide permission uh, to support their child's uh, you know desire to get married uh, because you know some reasons might be their child becomes pregnant or in some cases to cover up that their child was raped. Uh, These exceptions or legal loopholes are problematic though because again, like I said earlier, they cover up cases of coercion by parents um, or adult partners attempting to avoid prosecution for statutory rape. Um, So really, I mean, in other words, statutory rape, even though, you know, it's not legal in the U.S., it effectively becomes legal with parental permission to put it into perspective, essentially. I know you've never met my dad or my mom, but if I was assaulted, my parents would not be signing a legal document saying, I'm good to marry this guy now. The complete opposite would happen, let's just say. Some places where we're seeing this happening is going to be very tight-knit religious groups. Um, including even cults. So let's say there's, again, several examples, and I'm going to keep it relatively uh, vague um, in terms of descriptions, but if anybody is interested in kind of getting a better understanding of what child marriage looks like, there are a lot of stories um, you can easily find online. But something might happen where a religious leader um, of a very tight uh, religious group assaults a young girl, and then she may become pregnant, she might not, but with many um, relig- with many faiths, they place a heavy emphasis on purity and virginity as a standard for acceptance. And so this might leave parents in a difficult situation uh, when it comes to their attention that their daughter has had sex or becomes pregnant outside of marriage. And then that sense of shame and the risk of communal alienation parents would go to these, you know, great lengths marrying off their child uh, to cover up that perceived impurity. 
It's essentially to disguise the shame, which I think brings up an, a very concerning point and even we can say another myth um, that if you're married, uh, you can't be raped by your partner. This is something that a lot of people have believed and legally it has stood within um, within law that within the bounds of marriage, you cannot be uh, raped. And it's, you know, come to attention that this is obviously not true. Right. Like I'm almost speechless hearing you say all of this because I can't physically wrap my head around this why a parent or a guardian would be so willing to sign their daughter away to be a sex slave to somebody and just signing their daughter away for a lifetime of abuse because a young child can't get a divorce even though they can get married they can't get a divorce which we'll touch on later but it's just so crazy to me I can't even really put it into words just to not be shamed no I know it's shocking because then what happens most of the time is that these girls are going to be suffering years and years of continued abuse. And it's it's very hard to fathom what parent would um, voluntarily put their child in that situation. Um, again, though, and I will say, this is not always in religious settings. There are also several examples where just, again, that same uh, kind of shame and guilt of, you know, their child becoming pregnant outside of marriage uh, encourages parents, mm, uh, prompts parents to kind of force their children into marriage. And the hard part too is a lot of times, especially if these children are so young, they don't know what's going on and what this really means for them. You know, kids as young as 10 years old, if you're 10 or 12, you know, you've lived your whole life. Like, you know, your parents are the ones who are supposed to take care of you. You trust your parents. And now they're marrying you to this person and you're there in the court and you know it can be it can be very intimidating yeah at that age I wasn't worried about marrying somebody I was worried about how dirty I was after playing in the yard all day with my sister brother and my cousins not anything about that like I, I literally just can't wrap my head around this I know, I mean, nearly 300,000 between the years, you know, 2000 and 2018. And that's right, just and the most recent study that's been done. Right, we don't know how many more are missing from that study and how many more we maybe don't know about or the study couldn't get the records for. Or even that aren't legally married, maybe they're married in the church and it's not on a legal document somewhere. So I found something here, um, and again, this kind of goes along with uh, child marriage uh, being quite prevalent in tight uh, religious communities. Uh, the states that have the most child marriage per capita, according to the available data, um, include Nevada, Idaho, Arkansas, Kentucky, Oklahoma, Wyoming, Utah, Alabama, West Virginia, and Mississippi. Now, again, though, it does happen in almost every state. Uh, but these are some of the uh, most common where it's seen. That is going to enforce a lot of stereotypes. So what does child marriage typically look like today? And who's most impacted? Well, so 
girls are far more likely to um, be wed uh, compared to boys. Um, so they are the ones who are most heavily impacted. Which makes sense because we see that girls are so easily targeted and exploited. Not to say that boys aren't, but we do see higher numbers of girls. And at the same time, too, with this happening to cover up oftentimes perceived shame from uh, sex outside of marriage or um, having been raped or getting pregnant outside of marriage, girls are the ones who are going to be getting pregnant. And so that's just another um, reason that's going to push parents to then marry off their daughters because certain factors like that are going to be a lot more difficult to hide from the community. And so they'll, you know, marry them off to this man. And then now... That makes me wonder about the situations where an outside member of the family, say the abuser, somehow convinces the parents or the court to sign their daughter off to marriage. Say like, I don't know if you had a guidance counselor or a therapist that grooms you to have this relationship and they convince you that you want to be married and you go to the court and you get the court approval or he just becomes like a family friend or even if it is a family friend and they convince your parents that you are in love and he convinces you that you're in love and that type of outside force creates this child marriage. So there's actually, um, just to give an example of what child marriage might look like in the United States. There was a story that circulated um, across the news quite a bit um, of uh, a woman now uh, named Sherry Johnson who was first raped by a deacon of her church at the age of eight um, and again became pregnant at 10 and then forced to marry that man at 11 years old. Um, And in the New York Times, it's describing the story Um, And she was quoted saying that it was forced on me. And uh, the article continues to describe that the, you know, the child welfare authorities were investigating the situation. And so the family and church officials decided that the simplest way to avoid this like messy criminal case was to organize a wedding. And so it was to cover up one, the crimes of a church official, um, because, you know, if this case, if this got out, uh, it would make not only the deacon look bad, but the rest of the church leadership. And the family perceived it to bring uh, shame upon them. And so to just simply, you know, in one way, push aside and get rid of the situation, they decided to plan a wedding. Uh, Sherry Johnson Uh, again, remember saying, uh, my mom asked me if I wanted to get married and I said, I don't know, what is marriage? How do I act like a wife? And her mom responded, well, I guess you're going to get married. And that was it. Uh, Originally, uh, a government clerk in Tampa, Florida refused to marry an 11-year-old, even though this was legal in the state actually so then the they decided to go to a nearby uh county where the clerk then issued the marriage license 
and the license does have her date of birth on it, so they were aware of her age. That whole story is so sickening and selfish. The parents were not being parents. They weren't protecting their daughter. They weren't doing anything to save her from the lifestyle of abuse that she faced after one, being assaulted, two, getting pregnant and having to drop out of school and raise children. That's just wrong. Like, I'm sorry, but that's just wrong. I don't care how high of a figure you are, whether it's a religious figure, a political figure, a celebrity, our laws should not support protecting predators and abusers. They should be protecting children. And in this case, they should have protected the child from her own parents, but they didn't. Right, because, you know, in the U.S., the way that, you know, our system has largely been set up, it's a little bit debatable now with some of the current events going on, but until you're 18, your parents are the ones who are to best make the decisions for you. And so uh, she had very little, you know, she didn't really have any say in the matter. And while the parents, you know, deemed this to be a way to get rid of the situation, it simply covered something up and forced an 11-year-old girl to continue to endure this abuse into adulthood. Right, they just completely ignored their daughter and their child. They completely dehumanized her and they were so focused on their image and what their deacon and their church community thought of them. They did not care one bit about their child, which is not what the Bible says to do. (laughs) No, and so that's, and that's another, you know, kind of confusing aspect because again, not all the time, uh, but a lot of times this is done um, within um, different religious communities. Um, And yet this is not a biblical course of action. And so it's difficult to understand how this is still being justified or deemed as an appropriate course of action amongst uh, these adults and these leaders of a church. I mean, people can interpret words and meaning and just manipulate the people around them to get anything they want and to do anything they want, I guess, in that sense. As long as they can find their legal loopholes, they were able to make it happen. But kudos to that first judge or attorney for declining this request. And shame on that other court for allowing it to go through after seeing her age. And I'm sure she probably had to be present, right? Do children have to sign off too? Mm -hmm. How do you look at an 11-year-old girl standing beside her soon-to-be husband, older man, and go, this is a good idea. This is going to be safe. Right. And so, and unfortunately, this, you know, story is not uncommon in the U.S. Uh, While there's obviously going to be variations, um, you know, uh, while there's obviously going to be, like, slight variations here and there, this is an outline to what is happening to many girls and some boys as well. And so there are obviously, too, a lot of detriments after the fact that they have to continue to endure. And I know, Georgia, you did uh, quite a bit of research. Um, both the U.S. 
uh, Department of State and the United Nations has called child marriage a human rights abuse. Uh, do you want to go a little bit uh, into? Um, do you want to go a little bit more into um, why that is? Yeah. So let's hit you with some statistics. Um, women who are married before eighteen years old are three times more likely to be beaten by their spouse than women who are 21 years older and married. Well, now some states have a minimum age to marriage. They either didn't before or it was a lot younger because people used to marry a lot younger. And they've been, you know, increasing. This is not just in the U.S. It's other countries as well have been increasing uh, the age for marriage and um, ability to consent to sex. Uh, Again, because it's to help protect the safety of children. And actually... Um, the age for marriage used to be 21 instead of 18. But then, because um, that used to also be the age for the draft. But then during World War II, they lowered the draft to 18. And so people were saying, well, if you can be drafted at 18, we're now also going to lower the marriage age to 18 as well. I didn't know that little tidbit about the draft and its impact on marriage laws. I mean, that also makes me wonder, though, like, like brain development and your ability to consent and make rational decisions. Obviously, I think somebody under the age of 18 isn't going to be a, as rational as somebody who has a little more life experience. I'm not saying a 21-year-old is super rational, but they have lived a little bit longer. They might be somebody in the workforce. And even if you're somebody who is in college... You have still gotten out of that little bubble of childhood and have at least had to do a little something maybe on your own. So I could see why women married under 18 are more likely to be exploited and maybe more abused than somebody who was 21 or older. Right. I mean, the younger you you are, the more vulnerable you are. And I mean, your brain doesn't fully develop until you're like 25 years old anyway. Yeah, so basically, don't get married until you're at least 25, <laughs> my right? Dad, my dad always said, not until you're 35. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> Let's move along to our next stat. There is a 23% increased chance of serious health conditions for people who, for children who get married under the age of 18. And these health conditions include heart attack, diabetes, cancer, and stroke. I I don't know the scientific correlation to these. I imagine it maybe has something to do with the stress that your mind and body are under. So there are actual like physical health concerns that are correlated with getting married before the age of 18. And I think like you said too, probably likely due to like stress or living conditions. Um, that would come along with an abusive situation. Okay. That makes sense. I was just highlighting the actual physical health conditions. It's not just like... If your physical health is bad and your mental health is bad, it's all connected and it's going to lead to serious health conditions, basically. And to continue down our rant of health conditions... People are also at risk of higher rates of contracting an STI, sexually transmitted infection, right? It's infection, right? 
Okay. Just making sure. Deaths from childbirths and psychiatric disorders. And some of these, I think, too, one, um, when you're in a, it's like a child marriage situation, you have that, uh, there's a power dynamic with age uh, as well as just like status, money. And so a child uh, getting married into, into that situation doesn't have the negotiating uh, power to advocate for safe sex. Uh, they're forced into abusive situations, and so there's the increased risk of STIs. And, I mean, in terms of deaths from childbirth, if you are, if you haven't gone through puberty yet or you are still um, young, your body isn't necessarily meant to actually give birth. And so that increases health complications uh, the younger that you are. Right, like um, an 11-year-old is definitely not developed enough to give birth to another child that's probably half their size. Going back to that story you just told us earlier, I can't even imagine a baby giving birth to a baby. It's just not physically meant to be. And my last note on a human rights violation is, we already kind of touched on this, is the education disruption. So girls who are married before 19 are 50% more likely to drop out of school. Again, going back to that story, that girl was 11 when she got married, right? Mm -hmm, 11. 11, and she had to drop out of school to have kids by her abuser and then raise all of these kids. So she didn't get to finish even middle school. Are you in middle school at that age? I think it was, I think she had to drop out of school um, when she was in high school. Okay. Right. So she didn't drop that out did. right away. Okay. That girl didn't even get to finish high school, which now is pretty much necessary to have almost any type of job, let alone to go on and get a higher education. Those opportunities just were taken right from her by her parents and her abuser. So, and I'm sure this has happened in some of these child marriage situations. What would happen if a child bride were to like run away from the situation um, or like just try and leave them like what actions do they have available to them so even though we see that a child can get married to somebody they don't have the power to divorce or leave if they physically run away it's treated as you know a runaway child they are reported to the police and they are returned to their guardian. And most likely that guardian is their legal spouse, so it is their abuser. They're not going to get taken back to their home. Um, if the runaway tried to enter some type of women's shelter, they again treat her like a runaway because shelters can't accept anybody under the age of 18. So again, you get returned to your guardian. Then there's all of the issues uh, on the legal side, the inability to retain a lawyer under the age of 18 and somebody under the age of 18 can't file for divorce without the approval from their guardian and nine times out of ten that guardian's not willing to sign off because they were the ones that signed on to the marriage itself. A divorce would also be perceived as shameful in some of these situations um, where the motive was um, based on religion 
Right, imagine being at your weekly mass and seeing the divorced deacon and his shameful ex-wife. Oh, the scandal. But some states actually try to jump ahead of this and they try to automatically emancipate a child once they are married. But by the time the paperwork actually goes through, it's often too late and the child's been facing the abuse. So once a child is married away, they really don't have many options to get out of their situation until they are over the age of 18. So I know a lot of advocacy groups have been working to essentially eliminate those legal loopholes that we talked about um, a little bit earlier, like uh, parents signing off on somebody under the 18 getting married or a um, judicial approval. And yet there's still, what, like 41 states that still allow for child marriage technically through these legal loopholes. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it seems like we're talking about it and we're like, thinking like yeah like you can't get married until you're 18 you know child marriage like we need to end child marriage in the U.S. like but why is it that you know first of all we actually didn't see states starting to do this until 2018 and still you know we have 41 states that are still allowing for it why is it still happening in the U.S. even though we know that this is an issue and people have been speaking out against it I think one of the biggest arguments is that our legislators and our policymakers don't realize how their policies and laws are loopholes for people to get married and prey on children. But going off of that, there are groups that advocate for parental and religious rights. They think the government should, quote unquote, stay out of the bedroom. And no, I don't mean that um, they're advocating for child abuse to happen. They're arguing that the government shouldn't even have a say on who gets married to who. And then there's other groups that advocate for women and girls saying a woman or a girl knows what they want. And if they know what they want, they have the power to make that decision. But what we're not thinking about when we're talking about women empowerment and female empowerment is that sometimes females are being coerced to marry through an abuser or through their parent. Okay, well, because I can see a situation where let's say you have a 16-year-old girl and let's say a guy who's like 17 or 18 years old and they've been dating since the beginning of high school Um, You know, they're in love, and let's say she ends up pregnant, and they decide that, um, you know, they want to be together, they're now about to have a baby, that the best thing for them is that they want to get married. In those kinds of situations, it almost seems like, on the surface, yes, you should just be able to, but because the means by which they would be able to, which is their parents signing off on it or court approval are the same means through which child marriage has been permitted to happen. And again, nearly 300,000 girls and boys under the age of 18, it seems as though it shouldn't be a question 
about about the direction we should be going in because we shouldn't have this avenue open that has allowed for this disgusting form of abuse to continue as well. Why are we choosing to allow a 16-year-old to get married in this situation when at the same time it means that, you know, so many others are getting coerced into this fate? So I have seen that same exact argument come up that banning child marriage can discourage teen parents from raising a child under one roof in a typical nuclear family structure, which when you think about it that way, it does make sense because what's best for the child is to have two parents in what we consider a normal structure to give that child structure throughout their life. But leaving that loophole open just can create this disastrous, dangerous area for child marriage to persist in the United States, which it does. Um, But the argument, so this argument here is basically that marriage should align with when people have children, which takes us back to American colonialism when they set the ages at 12 for girls and 14 for boys. We can't go backwards in time. I think we need to go forward, finally solidify a set age of 18 and older, maybe even older because I don't know a lot of 18-year-olds that I would trust with making lifelong decisions, but at least 18 if that's going to be our age for the draft. Well, and I think that's actually, okay, hearing you mention that point about being able to, let's say you do get pregnant, being able to raise that child together under one roof, um, you know, help to give that uh, child more structure in, uh, in that family unit. Because again, let's say we eliminate all the exceptions. You don't want then, that to then hurt other children who are now being born into these divided homes. I do get that. Then I'm like looking at the statistics here and there's a couple of different depending on uh, which site you go to, uh, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, for example, they say that, you know, 59% of marriages, though, to brides under 18 end in separation or divorce within 15 years. That number then drops to 36% uh, for those who are married at 20 or older. So more than half of those marriages that are occurring um, where the bride is under the age of 18, they're ending in divorce, which again kind of counters the whole reason for allowing them to get married in the beginning. You're now separating the family um, at a later stage still. Right. The statistics basically just reinforce the idea that child marriage should be illegal on every single front. No exceptions, no loopholes allowed. I mean, technically, you could still live in the same house without being married and try to give a child that structure until you do turn 18 to get married. Right. Well, because if your goal is to be able to raise your child um, together, I get that getting married would make it easier, but it can still happen um, without. Um, I'm going to insert this stat right after I mentioned the thing from the CDC, uh, and UNICEF, they actually state that between 70 to 80% of child marriages end in divorce. 
Um, and so that's the reason why they actually advocate that marriage under the age of 18 should be prohibited under all circumstances. And so there's still, even though there are arguments for exceptions to marriage under 18, ultimately there are still negative consequences to where organizations like UNICEF are saying that it should not even be occurring. Did you watch One Tree Hill? No, I didn't. Oh my God, Isabel, you need to get cultured. <laughs> what does this have to do with child marriage? <laughs> because in One Tree Hill. Okay. So it's a story set in high school, as all of them are. Mm-hmm. Well, I need to go. I need to Google this. I need to get it right. <laughs> I need to get my my One Tree Hill. Okay. People. The, this would be embarrassing, Georgia, if you did not know. I know. I'm not ready for that. This is so dumb. So the popular basketball player, Nathan Scott, king of the high school, ends up with nerdy, geeky, tutor girl, Haley. And they fall in love and they're married before they graduate high school. Then they have a baby. And throughout the rest of the seasons, they're together, they raise the kid, they show, you know, obviously the hardships that people face. Not that they're super realistic, but I need people out there that watch One Tree Hill to know that the Nathan and Haley Scott relationship, the super successful romance and baby that comes out of it is not every single day stuff for the United States. Yes, they got their parents to sign off on it. And yes, it ends up working out in the fairy tale ending, but that's not real life. And that's not like in half of the cases that look like this, more than half of the cases that um, are in that situation actually end up failing. Failing miserably. Right. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that out there because one Tree Hill people know. Well, I just want something like Nathan and Haley. No, you don't. No, you don't. Doesn't actually happen. Exactly. So getting back on track. The U.S. has pledged to end child marriage by 2030. This was through the U.N. Sustainable Development Goals. But when we think about 2030, that's just six and a half years away. So how are we going to do this? That's insane. That's so soon because we still have 41 states that are allowing for these exceptions. But ultimately, it's going to take states ending those legal loopholes. Right. The only thing I can think of is raising this awareness, hoping that Unchained at Last can really spark a wildfire across the United States to push people to end all of these loopholes because I don't even know if that's a realistic goal. Well, and to all of our listeners, I encourage you to actually go on Unchained at Last's website, and they actually have a map of the U.S. broken up, you know, by all the individual states, and they show you the progress from um, state to state and what kinds of, like, exceptions that they have and, like, when, you know, a certain state ended all the exceptions. And so you can just see the progress across the map. Um, it's super cool. And it like changes as uh, new legislation uh, comes into play. So it's super interesting. 
go check it out. They also have a lot of uh, survivor stories on there. Uh, so you can continue to get a better idea of what this looks like, as well as a lot of statistics. And if you are of voting age, call your legislatures, write them letters, tell your parents, tell your friends, tell your family. If you live in a state where child marriage is legal, and most likely you do, Talk about it and spread the awareness and try to do something about it. Maybe find other advocacy groups that are out there or ask Unchained at Last, what do I do in my state? How can I make a difference in my state? Now, I know we're talking now about hopefully ending child marriage in the United States and eliminating this human rights abuse that has been occurring. Um, but I think, too, at the same time, while we're discussing that, we need to make sure we're discussing um, how we're going to protect these uh, girls and boys who are unfortunately in these situations where they are abused and their community perceives it as shame and they're alienated because now are they not only likely going to continue to be abused by that same person, but now they're going to be experiencing um, hate from their community and their families. Um, and there's no way now they would now continue to live with their parents who are now also potentially going to be abusers to them as well just because of that hate um, that is fueled by shame and disgust. And so, we, you know, while we want to make sure that we're ending child marriage and that possibility of that occurring, we need to find ways to protect the girls and boys um, who are now going to still have to live in these communities that will continue to um, that will continue to abuse them. That's a super important point to bring up because while we look to the future and making change, we have to recognize that there are still people and children specifically who are suffering. And while you know saying something like ending child marriage and ending the legal loopholes sounds like an easy solution. Um, and something, you know, that definitely could be doable and we're seeing it happen, it's not going to be the ultimate to ending child abuse overall. And so we still need to be having these discussions about what's next. All right, everybody. Well, thank you for coming along this journey with us as we unravel this myth um, that child marriage does not occur in the United States. Uh, as we have seen throughout this episode, definitely occurring in the United States and is something that needs to be addressed. So thank you all so much for listening. Uh, be sure to follow us on all of our social medias that are linked in the description below. And if you have any thoughts on this episode, please uh, send us messages through the social media platform and share those comments. If you had a different perspective, a different take, a point that maybe we didn't even bring up, uh, we want to hear it. Yes, we are looking forward to hearing from you and Hopefully we will see you back in two weeks.